by popular demand. Place to be Nation Wrestling returns to the Dirty South for Talkin' WCW, an episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain, with matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain. Talkin' WCW presents the best, worst, and most surreal offerings from World Championship Wrestling. So cast your gaze to the Turnertron with hosts Jennifer Smith, Tim Capel, and Greg Phillips. Hi, welcome to Talkin' WCW. My name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with the Drano to my liquid plumber, Tim Capel. How you doing, Tim? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we we are two uh, drain clearing removal uh, products that don't work very well. Pipe so, busting uh, bitches is what I like pipe. to call us. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. Uh, and the, uh, gosh, what actually works? The... Uh, I mean, like I said, uh, listeners, off-air conversation we were having, I had very good ex- good results clearing my pipes <laughs> with CLR. That's right. Calcium lime and rust remover. <laughs> I guess that's what... That's what Greg that's what can makes be. This man, Greg Phillips, he's the calcium li- lime and rust remover from our lives, figuratively and literally. What are we doing? That's the, that's the single nicest thing anyone's ever said. About. Badly enough, that's the nicest. If you thing. have hard water, th- this man will solve it for you. Okay, hey, for, for for the it's right been a pro- long two days. For the right price, I'll try and fail at almost anything. All right, <laughs> I will disappoint you. Never mind. Um, yes, yes, CLR. Well. You I'm know. glad I broke the show try very it. early on. So if if nothing works, try try that. It's you might think I don't feel so good about putting this stuff into my pipes, but mm. what's a good? I mean, it's not like it's 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 not going to dissolve your pipes. If, yeah, it'll if be anything, fine. It's, it's taking. It. Yeah. Do you want? It'll do nothing. Look, it'll do nothing, <laughs> or it will totally work. That those are the only <laughs> alternatives. Do you? I mean, you don't want calcium in your pipes. You don't no. want. Was it? What's the R stand for? Rust. Rust. You right. don't want rust in Which your. Which you probably wouldn't get unless you have uh, metal pipes. But um, see, I, I think the issue is with these PVC pipes. They get a lot of calcium buildup. I, mm. I, I want to say that was like our point. arteries. Oh yeah. Sure. Clearly. Yeah. And, and the bubbles. one and you damn sure the one thing I know for certain you don't want any lime in your pipes. No. No, no limes. Uh-uh. Limes go in the coconut. That's right. That's what I hear. Exactly. Yeah, Seamus once warned us that there were too many limes. Too many. <laughs> too so, many and you know limes. what that, yeah, you yeah. know what that leads to. Hard water, <laughs> limes, calcium. It's the mess. Liquid plumber. Yeah. Do you know what always bothered me about liquid plumber? The fact that they leave, they it doesn't out, work. Well, they leave out letters on the, on the Yeah, yeah. They do. They, well, plumber. you know what? They kind of got a drunk, they, they got a jump on that, though. But this is, this is the way of. The social media apps. That's right? true. You just leave uh, out all, right. all the words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, yeah. It's crazy because like the 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 you know it, it's almost like it's written the way that like Miley Cyrus sings with like the hard R sound, you know, <laughs> liquid plumber. Not the hard mm-hmm. R sound. 
Yeah, the hard R. Wait, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've uh, looked for a little liquid plumber on Grinder. Uh, uh... <laughs> okay, Speaking now we've really just we've we've really gotten inappropriate. Yeah, we have. Well, I feel uh, like this is right. um appropriate for our um topic of the podcast. Yeah, we're talking my favorite liquid plumber, uh, <laughs> Holly Blanchard. Excuse me. Pollens Blanchard. Pollens uh, Foundation. Yeah. Of the York Foundation. Yeah. You did not just say that. People Pollens don't realize Blanchard. that Pollens Blanchard joined the York Foundation off screen and left off screen like a day mm-hmm. later. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, they think they think he you know he left he went to to WWF with uh, Arn Anderson they 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 did the Brain Busters and. One of them, one of them came back. The other did not. That being Mr. Blanchard, but everybody just forgets about that York Foundation. Yeah, run, right. Very conveniently forget about. It. And also Arnold Anderson was pitched to join, but he turned them down for some reason. Yeah, he wasn't into it. Yeah. <laughs> it was. They could have had. I guess. I, in my world, the entire organization would have joined the York Foundation, and there would have been no match. Well, yeah. <laughs> you would have had Arnold Anderson. You would have had Alexander Luger. I don't know what you would have done with Sting, but you know. Come back to that later. Richard Flair. You know, there's all mm-hmm. kinds of people that could have joined and extended their names. Oh. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. You know, it's the computerized uh, uh, wave of the future, right? Predicting all these matches. Everybody's got everybody's to get a piece. If, and Terrence Taylor was the computerized man of the 90s, but they needed the That's right. tag team of the 90s. Richard and... Uh, I don't know what they were done with Scott. Richard Fleer and, and uh, Pollens Blanchard. Pollens Blanchard, yes. Pollens Blanchard. Yes. Yeah. He's a hell of a man, that, that Pollens. A man that was never afraid to let his chest hair grow out. A man that, that, that just a mm-hmm. man that, 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 that represented Crockett era wrestling better than almost any other. Tough son of a bitch, he, right? Yeah. When, well, when you mention it, do you think that he... Um, he just was was not someone predisposed to growing back hair, or do you think he did shave his back hair? Like he totally had as much back hair as I'm, he had chest hair. And, and I'm assuming it. he just shaved his back because so? happened to grow chest hair. But I have met people that that only grow for some unknown right. chest mm-hmm. hair and back hair. Lucky people they may be, and well. uh, and and no, I I I, I think totally probably probably uh probably shaved. He was a, a back hairsman. Yes, I think so. How, how does one shave their own back? No, well, I'm, I, I say shave, but yeah. he, he would have had assistance. I mean, yeah. for sure. Dark, dark journey, or 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 uh, dark who, was, journey. who was the <laughs> other? Who was the other woman that accompanied him to ringside? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, one of them. Well, JJ. Uh, well, uh, shit. Um, why do I keep saying her real name, Nicola? <laughs> God damn it. Baby doll. Baby doll. Baby doll. Baby know. doll shaved back. Why did I blank, oh did I blank on baby doll? His most, oh famous ma- his most famous valet, and I completely blanked on her. Jesus. Oh. Yes, her, her her real name is uh, Nicola Ann Roberts. Nicola Ann Nicola Roberts Bird, Ann excuse Roberts. me. Is she related to the Roberts clan? of um, Julia Roberts? Uh, well, I was referring to Jake Roberts and and Ro- Oh, oh, that Roberts, of course. I guess, 
I, I guess they're actually the Smiths, so maybe not. Well, okay. Her parents, Nick Roberts uh, and Lorraine Johnson, were professional <laughs> wrestlers and promoted weekly events uh, at the Fair Park Coliseum in Lubbock, Texas. So, I mean, wrestling, no. local wrestling yeah. family. Not really. some, uh, yep. Yeah, with the with the Von Erics. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, talking baby doll. Point being, <laughs> point being, he had many other seconds that could have shaved his back. <clears throat> yeah, I think she would definitely be taking care of that. That's yeah. a terrible hell, job. Well, James J. Dillon was probably doing it too. Yeah. Uh, well, that's was, better. I like that better. An all-purpose manager to the Four Horsemen, which mm-hmm. I, w- I want to get into his role and mm-hmm. uh, some of these matches we're going to talk about as well. Uh, but yeah, if it, you've got options. If I mean, hell, look. Um, Dusty and, and Tully had a very extended on and off again feud. Um, they probably took care of each other on the road. You know? th- that's shaved each other's uh, unreachable yeah. parts. Um, as long as you kept it kayfabe out of out of sight, yeah. of the fans. Why not? And there, as a as a wise man once told me, uh, it's there's no problem with getting your needs met on the road. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and that's just called being a good brother. Mm-hmm. And shaving that back—that's a—that's a need. That, yeah, that yeah, these wrestlers would have. In the shaving 80s. that back, oh. shaving that back, and strutting that ass. Where <laughs> yeah, strutting that ass. <laughs> you won't be strutting that ass. <laughs> yeah, you'll shave your back. You won't be <laughs> and if you do. Try to shave your own back. You'll be so goddamn fucking tired. You still won't be strutting that ass. <laughs> no, no way you'll reach Gunnersville. That's for sure. No. <laughs> you won't see the matches at the Arsenal. God, why are we bringing back 13, 15 year old memes? Because it's great. That's what uh, we do. This is a very unhinged edition of fucking WCW. Yeah. Believe it or not, this might be our most unhinged yet. Yeah. Already, like fucking um, thirty-five episodes in, or whatever the hell yeah. we're at now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say thirty-five episodes in. It's I'm a little bit ashamed. It's taken us this long to get to uh, Old Tully. Um, mm-hmm. This was my pick, and he's been on my short list for a while. It's just like he seems like he just kept getting bumped, right? And I'm gonna be honest. Part of that is I had a fear, and. This fear, I'm going to be honest with you guys, was somewhat validated that we would have a hard time finding matches Mm. that are readily available because we've been over this before. Stuff that used to be out there in a little section called Hidden Gems on a little app called the WWE Network no longer exists. So we had a time. Um, it, It wasn't so much selecting the matches we wanted to do but in some cases finding these damn matches Mm -hmm. you would think okay well all right not on the network slash peacock anymore so probably you could track it down on your youtube on your daily motion no 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 these were tough no they were tough um but we do have our ways and means look um I'm just going to come around and say I have done a complete reversal on my position of we should really only watch matches that 
are easy to find because mm-hmm. I'm just done with it now because all of these matches should be easy yeah. to find. And once upon a time, they were. And, and you know, if these bastards, if these damn bastards won't even let me pay them to watch the matches, which I have demonstrated I am perfectly willing to do, have been willing to do since 2014, almost 10 years now, the launch of the network, they giveth and they taketh away. I'm done. I don't care. It, I, I will I will find the match if it exists, if I want to talk about it, if I want to choose it. I think you guys should be, do the same, and we'll make it happen. If folks listening um, want to watch along with us, watch these matches we choose, they're having a hard time finding them, hit me up. Just hit me up. We'll 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 hook you up. We'll find okay. a way, bro, bro. Don't worry. If about they it. don't want to share their wrestling with us, bro. <laughs> yeah. If the bastards, the no good, bald headed son of a bitches at Peacock, don't want to put up the hidden gems anymore, screw them, bro. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so as a result, all of our matches are not. Gonna be on Peacock uh, right. for this episode. It, it, inexplicably, I have that. because they, they, they ah, uh, yeah. I can write a, I can write but again. A two of them used to, at least two of them used to be. Yes, a hundred percent. All three of them might have been. I, I'm not sure about Jenny, your pick, but no, still. I verified two of them um, used to be because I looked it up online and found found stories about when they got uploaded. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So day. I don't know. I guess maybe. The people who have the the international version of still the network, although I have heard their their interface has changed once again. Um, oh no! I heard a rumor uh, that it's looking a lot more like these days. Oh gosh! <laughs> the people who actually do have the proper network itself, so they might be screwed as well. I don't know. Um, all I know is, like I said, if if you want to watch these matches. You can't find it. We'll find it for you. All mm-hmm. right. That's that's my guarantee. Damn right. Okay. With all that being said, who's up first? We've got, I believe, I think you, me. Greg. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so for my pit, one of the, you, you mentioned. I'll I'll, pre- I'll preface this with a bit of a a bit of a tale. Not really a tale, just an anecdote. Okay. About. Uh, so, uh, Tully Blanchard's more work, of an anecdote than a, than a tale. Okay. Yeah, yeah, or, or or maybe more of just a little snippet of an anecdote. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Tully, 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 Tully Tullence Blanchard like, <laughs> was was uh one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like, legitimately, still is. Like, I he's wow. that he was he predated like when I was first watching wrestling, he was around, but I didn't really like appreciate him because i was four or five or whatever and then mm-hmm. you know the brain busters i liked in the wwf a lot and then um going back and watching old crockett tapes when i was a kid he always stood out to me he always popped out as like this great wrestler that that shown even in matches that had bigger stars perhaps in them and um i think he's a guy that hasn't always gotten his just due because he disappeared from the business pretty much and until AEW a couple of years ago, he had not really been seen in mainstream wrestling for decades. And so uh, he's a guy that that if you watch old tapes, he just does all all the things that you say to me, modern audiences about Randy Orton kind of apply, in my opinion, mm. 
Okay. That's the I, I drew a comparison between them even when Orton was first coming up with his intercontinental title run in 2004 or whatever that he, he clearly had studied tapes of Tully Blanchard because Tully was that guy who was just <clears throat> wasn't going to wow you. He wasn't going to do, you know, any crazy high flying stuff. He wasn't going to uh, have the flip, the well, the panache of Ric Flair. He wasn't going to have the the, you know, the hard times promo of Dusty Rhodes. But all he did was he just did everything well. He bumped well. He sold well. He threw great punches. He had an awesome offense. He had a great finishing move. He looked good. He had uh, good promos. He was just the complete. He knew his role. He he knew his job was to go in there and get the baby faces over. And he did yeah. it better than other than Ric Flair, better than anyone of that era, in my opinion. Like to me, I always look back at him as being the best wrestler that Crockett had that wasn't Ric Flair. And maybe you could throw Barry Windham in that argument as well. But like mm. he was just he was just so good. And uh, I find it atrocious that that it's so hard to find these matches. And then the other aspect that I realized because a lot of his singles matches escaped my purview as a kid, I watched mostly his pay-per-view matches and his tag team matches. As I was looking through online databases, cage match and, and some other ones as well, I was having a hard time finding like what singles matches stood out, what singles mm-hmm. matches people thought were, were great. Cause I didn't want to just yeah. pick Tully and Arn matches. Cause we'll probably do an entire episode on Tully and Arn as a tag team at some point. But, um, Eventually, I found this was like either his second or third highest rated match on Cage Match by people that have have taken the time to rate it, which aren't many, but everybody seemed to rave about this. And this comes to us from the Great American Bash Tour of 1986, and it is, I believe, from July 5th of 1986. Um, It is a uh, taped. It's in Charlotte. Yes, a, a, a in Charlotte, and it's a taped fist match in which the world television title is not on the line, but a bunch of cash is. And it's uh, Tully Blanchard, of course, who is the reigning television champion with J.J. Dillon in his corner, taking on uh, Hands of Stone, Ron mm. Garvin, with, uh, with uh, Wahoo McDaniel in his corner. And uh, as the ring announcer aggressively tells us before the match... <laughs> This is a uh, this is a taped fist contest, and uh, and and the rules are that there are ten three minute rounds, and of course it's going to be under boxing rules, but with a taped fist or what have you. Now, interestingly about this is uh, neither I don't know if you guys neither Ron Garvin nor Tully Blanchard are professional boxers. No, they are not. not. So uh, that I found that to be interesting. Secondly. Uh, about this is uh, normally in wrestling, I have, and, and I don't mean to offend our, our British listeners, with, mm. but I've never been a big fan of rounds in wrestling. Like mm. it's a hard yeah. thing to pull off. Like I, I, not that I, I've seen some great British wrestling matches and stuff, but it's 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 a difficult thing for me to decompartmentalize what I've seen wrestling as my whole life and like view mm-hmm. it the other way with rounds and stuff like that. So it's it's a challenge for me as a viewer. Um, that said, I thought this was interesting because while they're not professional boxers, they're two of the best throwers of hands mm. in pro wrestling from their era or maybe from all time. And, uh, so basically this is exactly what you would expect it to be. Tully is the heel who people want to see get his comeuppance. Ron Garvin is this badass 
uh, baby face who's known for knocking people out. And so from the moment, the best part is right before the match even starts, <laughs> as if there's any illusion this is going to be an actual boxing match, Tully tries to jump Garvin from behind. <laughs> Garvin ducks it, back body drops him, and then Tully stands up and gets knocked out before the match even <laughs> Yeah, I, I just now saw it. I'm watching the match back, and it, it gave me a chuckle. It's it's great. I mean, right before great. the bell, I just just get, he just Tully just gets walloped. <laughs> it does a great sell job. Takes, takes that it's great tremendous. Tully Blanchard flat back bump, like mm-hmm. one of the best. And so so the referee has to revive Blanchard <laughs> alongside JJ to get the JJ match. is so flustered. And 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 as soon as the bell rings, Garvin's just all over him. Garvin mm. is just wearing his ass out, knocking him down mm. repeatedly, backing him into a corner where Tully can just hold his hands up trying to block. And the minute that Tully tries to block his head, Garvin nails him with a right hand right to the gut and uh, doubles him over, uh, working the body, working the head. Just, just, just uh, as you know, it's important to work the head. And he does that in this match as well. <laughs> and he knocks him down to the, to the canvas multiple times. And what becomes a... I was so impressed with the timing in this because they managed to time it up where every time Garvin knocks Tully out, it's right before the end of the round. So Tully gets saved yeah. by the bell like three times in a row where the, the, the round ends and, and the referee says, okay, okay, round over. We have a 30-second rest period. And that gives JJ 30 seconds to come in with his towel and a bucket of water and try to revive Tully from being knocked unconscious multiple times. So this, of course, serves multiple purposes. Number one, it's entertaining to watch. Number <laughs> two, it's Tully making the baby face, which was his role. Like Tully is so mm-hmm. – he is not concerned about looking like a clown. He's not concerned about whether he looks cool or not. All he's concerned about is the the way the audience views this is Ron Garvin has knocked out Tully Blanchard four straight times. So – that that's what his goal is and it's beautiful it's it's amazing wrestling heel work and then finally uh, i believe it's in the fourth round that tully maybe the third round tully gets the advantage finally and he he does this with a with a wrestling move where he grabs garvin's uh, trunks and pulls him into the the post and uh and and garvin uh struggles to get back into the ring when he does tully's all over him uh and tully's offense Yes, he's throwing great punches, really great punches, but his offense is largely pro wrestling stuff like mounting him and, you know, body slams him at one point and, you know, uh, he's jumping all over him with wrestling, ta- wrestling heel tactics. And the mm-hmm. referee, and I must say, a very ineffective refereeing job. <laughs> oh my uh, Gar- yeah. At one point, Garvin starts headbutting. By the referee of the year, right? Yeah. Gar- Garvin's throwing headbutts in the corner to Tully, and Tommy goes, hey, hey, no headbutts. No headbutts. And he headbutts him again after he says that until he falls to the mat. And the ref starts counting him out. I don't blame JJ. I think JJ had a legitimate point here when he's saying he just headbutted him. You can't count him out for that. But then, contrarily, when Tully is uh, Tully body slams him and he goes, no body slams. No wrestling moves, Tully. <laughs> and so they do this repeatedly. And uh uh, each time the the round ends, though, it, the, only once does Garvin get saved by the bell. There's one time where Garvin's in trouble, and the bell rings, and Wahoo has to come in and and revive him. But then uh, at one at, at, towards the end of the match, uh, JJ, who does a great job, I've never I, I think I said this in an early version of our podcast. I was never a big JJ Dillon fan. I have to admit this episode 
gave me some new appreciation. Mm-hmm. He uh, he like he, hands, he hands Tully the uh, the loaded black glove, which Tully lo- uses on uh, on uh, Garv. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm mixing my matches up. My mistake. That that comes in a later match. But he comes in and he helps. Yeah, Tully. We'll, we'll get into that. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. He, he he retapes Tully's right fist. Yeah. And Tully gets uh gets the advantage on Garvin for a moment. Garvin comes back on. They're both bleeding buckets at this point. Tully gets to the outside and climbs to the top and jumps off mm-hmm. for what I assume is a flying punch of some kind. And Garvin nails him out of midair with a punch of his own, and they both collapse in a heap. And so the ref begins his ten count, and he gets to ten, and both guys are out. And so the ref goes, and and I have to admit I've never seen this happen in boxing. <laughs> The referee goes over to the ring announcer and says, the first man to his feet will be the winner. And so uh, and so he begins his 10 count again, and J.J. gets in the ring with his towel. Remember, he's already used the bucket of water earlier. Mm-hmm. So he gets in the ring with his towel, and he's trying to wake uh, wake Tully up from his slumber. And Wahoo, while the referee is, is trying to admonish J.J., Wahoo gets in, throws the bucket of water on, on Garvin, which resuscitates him. And the crowd goes nuts as Ron Garvin reaches his feet, wins the contest, wins the money, and JJ is throwing a fit because of all the money, the water in the ring. He says, "Look, the ring's soaking wet." <laughs> the damn fool says, "I don't know anything about that, JJ. I don't know anything about that." Bad refereeing, but a great match. Very biased officiating in yes. this match for sure. Yes, and great. Okay, great match. I might be pushing it with great, but it was very entertaining. It, it was, was, yeah, it was great. And and I think that that's probably one of the best of that kind of match I've seen in wrestling. I've seen it done. Yeah, many. yeah. It was certainly a hell of a lot better than Mr. T versus Roddy Piper. So uh, <laughs> I think it was better than the uh, the worked MMA match we saw at uh, SummerSlam yeah. as well here oh. recently. Uh, but was it better than boxer versus wrestler at Uncensored mm, 95? I was going to ask you that question, Jenny. Yeah, of course it wasn't. Are you kidding me? Okay. I okay, okay let's classic see. match. I do think that match took some things from this one, though, uh, in terms of, like, the... the yeah, Arn well, took the bucket gimmick, but the, he put it on bucket, his fucking head. Yeah, the, the bucket, right? <laughs> Old bucket head, yeah. Yeah. Old bucket head. Old minute bucket. Um. Yeah. I enjoyed the physicality. I enjoyed the uh, Tully's heel bumps were just tremendous. Uh, yeah, Garvin is kind of a, a strange looking man, so it's always interesting to watch it. And <laughs> yes, uh, it is. and and uh, I I I just love I loved how their stuff connected. Everything looked like it was connecting, and the punches were were solid. Tully's you know Garvin's got the reputation, but Tully especially to me throws some of the best like working punches of any mm-hmm. run this day. Mm-hmm. They were great. Even when he came back in AEW a couple of years ago and had that one match with FTR, six-man match, he was still throwing some really good punches, even at his uh, advanced uh, age. And so I, I'm I'm a big Tully fan. I thought this was a real good demonstration. One of the things I liked about our three matches is they're three very different matches. Mm-hmm. And I think it showed the versatility of Tully. Uh, in, and we didn't even get into his tag team stuff, which is obviously great. So, yeah, just a, a great... A great match, a quintessential heel performance, and um, left a uh, left the audience wanting more because now they know that Garvin can beat his ass, so now they want to see Garvin win that belt from him. Well, he really did beat his ass, but like I felt like Tully still, 
you know, it did. It wasn't like a beat down. Yeah, you know totally still yeah. fucking held his own. Like even though he did get his ass whipped for most of the time, I never felt like he couldn't come back at any moment. Right. You know, uh, until the end when he just got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. But, but yeah, did, they both got knocked out. So yeah, true. But like very interesting match as far as the rounds go. I'm kind of like you. I'm a little iffy on that whole gimmick, but. You know, you got the taped fist, and they're short rounds, and I like the punches here. Like, I was actually really into the punches, because like you said, they're both really good at it. Mm-hmm. With lesser punchers, if that's the thing, yeah. um, you could not do this. You could not pull this off. Not any two guys can do this, but these two can. And I, I'd like this as a as a gimmick, I think, for modern day wrestling, too. I'd like to see this maybe somewhere. That would be fun if you can get guys that can punch. Guys that can punch, right. That's the problem. Um, This is so old school. They're in like a football stadium. There's grass on the Mm -hmm. sides, you know. When they fall, they're falling onto grass. So it has this real gritty feeling to it, too. And crowd's super into it. It just feels old school and great. Uh, Tully grabs the bucket and dumps it on his own head at one point, which I thought was great. Yeah. which cost them later. Yeah, it would. It would. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I is, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed this. This was fantastic. Old school and great, I, I think, really sums it up. Uh, Tully's selling is so on point, and he is also a great working puncher, right? So this match totally plays to his strengths. He takes a great ass-whipping um and, you know, th- I think the reason this works is they, they know at the end of the day, it's professional wrestling. Yeah, this is boxing rules, but it's going to be in the confines of mm-hmm. a professional wrestling environment. So it's worked in a way that it's more like um, more like the type of boxing match um, or taped fist match, I suppose, you would see in a, in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're all just laying into each other with these punches. There's no blocks. There's no boxing strategy going on here so that helps move it along the short rounds also also kind of are good for for pacing purposes as well um and i just love all the smoke and mirrors in this match i mean in in the gimmicks galore every time tully goes down there's there's jj in with if it's not the the bucket of water the the smelling salts the towel just (laughs) everything coming out um we and we do get some uh we get some color in this as well um tully takes possibly hard way i mean ron garvin was not known for uh pulling his punches no. i cannot imagine so <laughs> guys did not always love working with him so uh we get not quite the crimson mask but the uh scarlet forehead here on tully as the match progresses um but it, it just got a lot to offer here and you can tell that this match is something that it is pure fan service for, for this event. It's unlike a TV match where you're going to have the heel really get a lot of heat and, and force the baby face to make a comeback. And, you know, it's going to be time for commercials and all that. This is like the complete opposite. This is heel in peril. Mm-hmm. If anything, <laughs> <laughs> the crowd is eating it up because they just love seeing Tully get his ass beat. Uh, that's something he does very well. and something that, uh, based on his character is always very deserved. <laughs> um, so they love seeing it. 
and it has the type of finish that's incredibly safe because no title on the line. You can mm-hmm. you can put Garvin over pretty much clean, um, e- even though there is kind of that iffy finish, you know, first man to his feet, yada yada. But still, um, these fans are, are going to go home happy. Like no matter else, whatever else happens on the show, they're going to see how about that that uh, Ron Garvin Tully Blanchard match, right? That that's mm-hmm. purely what this exists for, and uh, they kill it. They really do. Um, yeah, I, I got a lot of joy out of this one. And apparently they were they were working this match on the circuit, on this, this 1986 Great American Bash Tour. Um, they have a rematch later on uh, that I believe, do I have a date for that, was the 26th um, of 1986. So still the same Great American Bash Tour. That one takes place in Greensboro. So, um, and it's basically like, I say it's a rematch, but it's sort of like how, how health shows work back then, where you would just work the same match literally over and over. It's, it's just same spots, essentially, maybe some minor nuances here and there where you might, you know, do some fine tuning, but it's just the same match run back basically. So if you like this and want to see another version of it, there's that, uh, July 26th uh edition of this great american bash tour as well so great pick greg good stuff i like it me too excellent all right we've got moving right into 1987 i think jenny we've got your pick up next this my next i believe so uh may 10th 87 all right. I guess I don't know how dates work. <laughs> hey, yeah, I don't know. Well, either. the next one is in July, and I'm relatively okay. sure July is after. Okay, that works out better, so. though. I think I think your match is a better closer. But I forgot to write the fucking date down. You said the 10th? Yeah, the 10th of 87. Uh, this was from, honestly, Greg, you might want to help me out. A show I didn't know existed. What is WCW Sunday Edition? Was this something that got replaced by one of those syndicated shows later on? I have no idea. I was like, I was still, I was three, obviously at the time, but, but I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know of this being a thing either. I've never heard of this before ever. Like, I, oh I, really? Man, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, no, we were really thrown because, like, their Saturday lineup was what they they would do World Championship Wrestling at you know 605 whatever tbs but they also had worldwide and and pro that pro i was like i always get pro and prime mixed up but pro yeah that, that was their their saturday sort of offering the um kind of flagship show and then syndicated gimmicks but i have never heard of this sunday edition i'm wondering thing. if it may have been a uh regular edition of world championship wrestling uh but that and had, they bumped it or something i i believe it may have been possibly it was pre what what date was this may 10th may 10th yeah. so it's possible it was preempted for some sort of sporting event the night before because during this match they're advertising like game five of lakers versus oh that's uh, right yeah the Warriors for the playoffs or whatever, the NBA playoffs. So uh, there may have been a game the previous night that caused them to delay the wrestling show until the next day. So 
All right. Well, that's cool. I feel kind of like, wow, because usually y'all know everything about everything. No, I mean, like when it comes to the the TV shows, I'm like, okay, this is this show, this is that show. And I'm like, wait a minute, Sunday edition. What? (laughs) So uh, So this is like somebody watching Thursday Raw Thursday, right? Right. What? This is the first Raw Thursday. Thursday and the, the two Thursdays. But nonetheless. No, but yeah, this is actually this WCW Sunday edition was actually where they would start it out. Uh, I believe they opened it with uh, Tom Brokaw at the beginning. Oh, uh, very good. Sunday edition of, of World. <laughs> oh, got the big guns for the. So Sunday it's show. like, so it's a, a studio setting um, and with a really loud crowd for Barry Windham, who is Tully's opponent in this match, and it's for the world TV title. I love me some Barry Windham, and mm-hmm. in the spirit of, like Greg said, I I, I know there's some absolute classic tag team matches, but also, like Greg, I was looking for more singles stuff, and um, so this is the one that I found, and also in the spirit of, I doubt this is on Peacock, uh, <laughs> you can find it on YouTube um, if you search for it, so pretty easy to find. I'm going to just go ahead and say the fucking finish because <laughs> you know, I'm surprised you picked this match because I know, I know. Uh, you gotta, but yeah, smarten us up here. It's a time limit draw, okay? But mm-hmm. in spite of that, I'll tell you why I liked it. Uh, <laughs> for there's a lot of Barry love, which is fun. Um, and go Barry, go, go Barry, go. It's yes, like Barry. It just sounds like me at a GCW show, like just screaming <laughs> above the crowd. And uh, so Barry knocks Tully out early. Um, he just runs around the side, you know, uh, healing it up. JJ comforts, comforts him a little bit. They reset. Lots of punching and slapping. Uh, we just talked about his punches. I feel like Barry's punches may be a little bit below uh, the Ron Garvin line as far as punching. Uh, but still, they do well with the punching. Very, yeah, very good, I thought. So, yeah, still. So. And there's commercial breaks in this. So we cut to commercial. Um, we return to them trying some submission moves uh, in the middle of the mat there. Um, not very exciting, but it's up some of your 20-minute time limit. So you got to have the submission moves. Uh, Barry goes for the test of strength, and it leads um, to some good punches by him, a drop kick, and then he gets a cover for two. Tully fires up, chokes uh, Barry over the top rope, or the bottom rope, uh, and then does some punches over in the corner. But he eats a lariat from Barry, a good-looking lariat, uh, Mm -hmm. for two for that one, while J.J. tries to distract the ref a little bit. Wyndham grabs a sleeper hold. And he holds it for a while, like mm-hmm. a hot minute, and then he just tumbles them both out of the ring um, to break still, the sleeper hold. Still holding the sleeper when they land. Just... <laughs> yeah. That was, that was an interesting little touch. That, it, you know, it was. Because you always think these these moves are so easy to break when they just do any little thing, but mm-hmm. I always kind of like when they, they hang on even through yeah, a little bit of adversity. Yeah, I, Tully is a hanger honor. That's what he does. Like, I just feel like he works through some of this stuff like he doesn't he doesn't just let you get away with it um they come back from another commercial to bear Wyndham working tully over in the corner 
Now JJ wants to slip him a shoe, classic um, JJ move. Uh, he smacks Barry and Wyndham, and he goes down hard, but he still only gets two on that, but he gets it twice. Barry kicks out of the shoe spot twice, so that's not going to work this time. Uh, so Tully tries a suplex. Let's try that. Uh, and then gets a elbow drop for two. Then he throws Barry to the floor, and uh, when he comes out to follow him up, he gets a backdrop on the floor for his troubles. So mm. uh, it's like move counter move really through most of this match. He does the uh, an inside suplex on Tully back in the ring while JJ paces around trying to find another spot to interfere. Uh, but Barry doesn't really give him a lot of chances, really. JJ is pretty, aside from a couple things, he's pretty negated in this match, um, which mm. is surprising because I feel like he's always one who, not always, but I feel like he influences that outcome of a lot of, you know, heel. Mm. Um, Barry hits a great power slam for two, and then this is where your go Barry, go chance really fire up. He gets a big de uh, delayed suplex for two. Uh, with one minute left in the match. And this is when I start going, ah, oh, fucking hell. I picked a fucking draw, didn't I? <laughs> uh, I already knew that, but I was like, ah, oh, shit. They punch some more. Uh, there's a atomic drop on Tully. A drop kick for another two um, for Barry. But then Tully reaches up to rake the eyes to get out of that. Wyndham punches Tully over the top rope. He just punches him straight the fuck out of the ring. Uh, and they're trading, they're just trading punches on the outside on the floor when the bell rings. So that's it. Your time limit's over. But no, they just ignore all of that. And this is why I like this. They just ignore the bell. They ignore everything else. The ref trying to stop the match. And they just keep fighting. And they just keep fighting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they fight till the cameras go off. Right? So as we leave, Tully is still not down even though it's a time limit draw. So I like the ending there. It's it it was just really two guys really just grinding out this match. And I like their chemistry. I like the effort. It's just it just felt like like again that old school studio style. That mm -hmm. I, what did you, what did you I see your I, I see your point, Jenny, that um this finish is kind of forgivable because the fact that the time runs out is kind of irrelevant because they could have done what they did and just, you know, it could have been like a double count out. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think your frustration and correct me if I'm wrong, your frustration probably, probably comes in when they do that time limit draw as more of a fuck finish. Right. Yes. Where yes. I would expect like a, you know, Barry Wyndham hits his big lariat or whatever, totally has the match won and goes to cover Tully, oh no, the bell rang, time ran. Like, that's how they typically do those, especially for these these World Television Championship, you know, time limit draws, where exactly. they always tease that, you know, you're going to see a, a title change, and it's just, nope, that's it. It was just a, you know, they just successfully defended the title. That's that's the champion's advantage, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's how they would book these things, but totally not the case here where they they spill out of the ring they're brawling um it didn't matter the time run out they were going to do that anyway and yeah they just didn't care out yeah probably gonna get the match thrown out so 
yeah, it kind of works. Um, I, I totally get it. And yeah, this is a really, as a, a TV a studio style uh, match for television, great example of that. Um, and I love the sprint, like in that last minute, you know, mm-hmm. just, they're bringing out the, they're breaking out the suplexes and everything. Um, and I, I like JJ here. I think he is used to good effect. It's kind of like the, the shoe does come into play twice and then he's sort of at a loss for what to do next. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, um, <laughs> I got to kind of pick my spots. I got away with it twice. So I, dare I try for a third, you know, it's sort of, he's, he's crafty that way. And um, when it comes to James J. Dillon, I, he is going to be a common de- denominator throughout all of our matches that we're looking at. And uh, Greg, I know you said you weren't always the biggest fan of his. Um, I think what I appreciate, especially when it comes to the, the Tully Dillon relationship mm. is that um, Dillon is like the complete manager. He is not just the the business manager of the four horsemen, which they very much needed, right? They needed someone to be organized, to be level-headed while they're on the road partying, uh, you know, basically life imitating art. Um, they needed him in every sense of the word and at every capacity that, that he served as their uh, business manager. And for Tully... See, most of the other horsemen, they didn't need a James J. Dillon out there accompanying them in the actual matches. Rick mm-hmm. Flair certainly didn't need it. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Dillon would be out there sometimes with him, but Rick Flair did not need a, a manager at ringside, right? Um, that's not what you think of when you think of great Rick Flair performances. Um, the Andersons, right? Arn and Ole, the in the original version of the Horsemen, they did not need a manager at mm-hmm. ringside. Mm-hmm. Tully kind of did, right? Mm-hmm. He needed not just the business manager, but the ringside valet in whatever form that took. Not only to give him that that extra edge, but because his character was a little bit unlike the other Horsemen in that he kind of. He kind of played himself, he, he kind of portrayed himself as this badass, you know, don't fuck with me, but at heart, he's more of a, he's more of a chicken shit heel. Yes. Right? He doesn't like, he doesn't like to get hit. <laughs> that's, that's his character. He's, he's kind of, kind of a pussy. Um, he can hold his own, but he would much rather not get his ass beat, even though <laughs> that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and I think Dylan just complimented that so much because he, it's like he knows Oh, Tully needs a, a lot more, um, you know, TLC than, than these other guys. So I got to go out there with him. I've, he, he's got to introduce all the gimmicks, right? He's got to do all the little spots. And um, I, I think he really added a lot to um, these performances and to the, the Tully Blanchard character who, don't get me wrong, I, I like a lot, but it's just complimented so much more by having that that presence at ringside um it just it just suited him so much so much better than the other horsemen yeah i would i would agree with that um it was a it's a nice pairing and uh, i think a lot of what i didn't like about dylan throughout my 
most of my wrestling fandom looking back was well, a lot of it was, was he felt superfluous at times because of what you're talking about. He was a lot of the matches mm-hmm. I saw him in were at ringside for flair or ringside for horseman multi-man matches. And, and, you know, he was mainly just there gesticulating at ringside. And also, you know, I grew up more watching, you know, the, the more over the top managers like, he yeah, ended, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Hart and people like that. So he seemed well, like Cornette, who was always such a clown. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, yeah. So, uh, but now I, I have gained appreciation for what he brought to the table, um, and uh, and especially that pairing with Tully is great. What did you guys make of referee Scrappy McGowan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Scrappy. Is he Scrappy. a uh, King of the Hill character? <laughs> to me, he looked like the lost member of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah, that haircut okay, yeah, had something that works. going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps like, like like that Tom Petty character. He uh he was an interesting cat, and um, he one of the two two small things that I or three I guess small things that Tully did in this in this match that really made it stand out to me. They're very little things, but the little things to me are what add up to make great performances and good. Uh, he doesn't just kick out. So when Barry's covering him the first time and gets a real actual near fall on him. Tully does kick out, but what, but to kick out, he brings his knee up and fires a knee at Barry's ribs as mm-hmm. and yep. Barry sells it and registers it. And it's like, you know, that that's, I don't, I haven't seen anybody do that in ages. Like that's, that's a, other than the, the, you know, they do the Roman Reigns bit where he kicks out and does the low blow at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I've not really seen other than that, this, this done a lot. And so that was really cool. The second time he kicks out of a big near fall, like Jenny pointed out, he rakes the eyes of Barry as he's kicking out, which again is, it's it's a small thing, but mm-hmm. you don't see yeah, a lot of these little things. Wrestlers do that, where while in the midst of kicking out, they're not just getting their shoulder up, they're doing a move to the other guy. They're trying to hurt the other guy to let him up off the mat. And then the third thing that I thought was, again, very small, but very key, especially given what, what you just laid out, Tim, about Tully's character, which is true, which is that he's more of a traditionally more of a chicken shit heel than, than even than Flair. But what they do on the outside of the ring after the match, they're brawling. And at one point, Barry, you know, Barry's beating him up and sending him on his way. And then out of almost off from off screen, almost. Tully comes flying back and throwing hands again. He, Tully actually re-engages the fight with Wyndham. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, a that was a standout moment because that's something that Tully wasn't known for doing. Tully wasn't known for being the guy that was going to instigate taking the, the fight. Yeah, you know, take the, the fight, fight to the opponent if it was a fair fight. And in this case, he does. Now he gets knocked on his ass again. <laughs> but he took the fight to him, and I thought that was a cool moment that shows Terry. Tully does have a little bit of fight in him, and and, and this is this is a match where he's been just embarrassing. It, he has that little bit of fight in him. It just usually ends badly yes. for him when it comes out. <laughs> and if I had one minor complaint about the the time limit draw, I, I I don't I don't mind the time limit draw, especially in these TV title matches. I think it's a good weapon to use once in a while. But I think my concern was when they announce. I'm I'm assuming the wrestlers knew this, but maybe it was just Tony saying it. But I assume they did a, uh, uh, I thought I heard them do a an announcement for it. But when they get to 30 seconds and then 10 seconds left, 
Barry shows no concern over that. Like he's he to mm-hmm. me when like that's really when when there's 30 seconds left, you should be trying to get those pins. He needs to hustle. Yeah. Yeah, and and instead he seemed and even to the point of knocking Tully out of the ring with 10 seconds left, well you know that you're not gonna be able to get him back in and yeah, pin. Him. Dumbest thing you can do. Yeah. You know. It's uh, it, it, just a minor thing. Uh, you know, it's not that important because it's still a really good match. But that's something that I would like to see in those. Uh, I like to see in those time limit situations of uh, somebody being really desperate to get that last, uh, get the fall or get the last fall mm-hmm. in a fall match or whatever. And um, but nonetheless, still love really- to see a good exchange of near falls at in that last. Yeah. Yep. Ten Let's- second, five second sequence, or you know, just a. No, yeah, Larry, a lot of desperation. Yeah, lariat near fall, pile driver near fall, the superplex near fall, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the superplex and then time runs out or whatever. But like something to uh something to, to ramp things up a little bit. But it was a really good match. The the both guys' offenses look great. Tully's selling and Barry's selling for that matter as babyface, both on point. Mm-hmm. Um JJ, great stuff. Uh, in ringside, you know, it, it was a, um, it was a very effective match, and it made me want to see them wrestle again. And I don't, I, I didn't look it up to see. I don't know if they did. I did. Don't worry. <laughs> did they have a rematch? Uh, so they had a handful of matches. Um, notably the ones I took down only because I, um, I did apparently watch them. Uh, at some point in the course of, um, the the greatest. Uh, GWCW project we did some years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, I don't remember the details of these matches so much, but I know that uh, I would be remiss in not pointing out from the 23rd of January, 1988, uh, they have a match for the Western, Western States Heritage Bullshit title. Um, <laughs> This is notable because it is from the Richmond Coliseum. Um, oh. Quite possibly my dad was there. Uh, cool. Because he, he was a big Barry Wyndham fan he talks about. So um, he very well could have been there. And the I rated Barry that win? four stars. Um, I don't remember. The, I do not remember the finish, but I gave it four stars. Oh, shit. So, yeah. I, think uh, probably, I think Barry won because I don't think he lost that Western, Heri- Western Heritage State United Bullshit Championship. Bullshit championship, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they have a match later in 1988 on April the 10th. Uh, that is from Main Event. So another TV uh, match. Oh, and um, the January match from the Coliseum, that was from, uh, again, it used to be on the network. I think it was from a, just a World Championship Wrestling Saturday night. Um, so anyway, worth going out of your way to see if you like this one, if you like seeing these two hook it up. Um, like I said, out, they also had a match on main event from April the 10th of 88. They had some others in here. I did not get a chance to watch. Um, but I made a note to possibly revisit because I was, I was looking for match selections, uh, for this episode. And I, I almost did that one from Richmond, um, just because I, I wanted to watch it again, but um, didn't get a chance and, and found something that I thought was a little bit more fitting. Although I'm glad, Jenny, you gave some love to Tully and, uh, and Wyndham with uh, with your choice. So, well, I'm looking forward to stuff. your choice because... 
Yeah, it's well, this is kind of a Jenny match, right? It kind of is a Jenny match. I kind of picked a Jenny match, so you picked a Tim match. I picked yeah. a Jenny match. What are we doing? Um, okay, so I'm going to give you some backstory here first. I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to watch the uh, the little um, sit-down uh, match signing leading up to this. I watched, um, I watched about half of it. I didn't get to finish it before we started, but... Okay, with uh, with Mr. Crockett, right? Jim yes. Jim Crockett here. Um, so we so we've got the the four horsemen assembled. Now this is the uh, the horsemen 2.0. Oli is out. Lex is in, and uh, so so they're and they're in a, like a conference room, right? And uh, of course uh, James J. Dolan is with them, um, and and Dusty is yet to arrive, and they're they're getting very frustrated because apparently they've been waiting for some time. And Dylan was like, is he going to show? Is he not going to show? And and uh, Tully, who has a lot of history with uh, Dusty, again, they've had this on-again, off-again feud since, you know, like 84, 85. And he's like, well, you know, this this is what Dusty does. You know, this this is just a, this is a dodge. This this is one of the stall <laughs> tactics that, you know, he's just trying to play mind games with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let, the, the one that popped me is, Lex Luger, I guess he's just trying to get a, get in a word to edgewise, right? He, he's the new kid on the block, and he goes, men in our position shouldn't have to tolerate this kind of delay. And they just completely <laughs> talk over. They just completely keep talking over. Like, he can't, he can't even, like, finish his thought. They're like, how dare you speak in our presence? You you speak when you are spoken to. Like, yeah, they just Lex. totally shut him. They completely shut him down. And he's like, men in our position should have to tolerate this. Should not have to tolerate such inadequacies. <laughs> and so, uh, all right. So finally, told me the other day that we need to go out drinking. <laughs> men in our position shouldn't should not have to tolerate any any delays for our alcohol either. Just, you know, these lines at the bar. I mean, I, I should be hand fed shrimp while I'm waiting. Yeah. Um, so Dusty does arrive, l- looking uh, very casual, as only he can. <laughs> look at it, only I can look. Now he, th- what they are doing here at this this contract signing is each side is putting up fifty grand. So this is a hundred, a hundred thousand uh, dollar prize here at stake, in addition to to the world's television championship again, which is around. Uh, Tully Blanchard's waist. You'll notice a theme, right, <laughs> throughout these matches. Um, and so Dusty has his cash in a sack in just a, a brown grocery bag. He, he's brown bagging it, and he's got cold, hard cash. And James J. Dillon is saying, look at this slob. I, I can't believe, you know, this is what we're presented with. We show up looking professional. Uh, and we we can't even be assured that this man has, you know, fifty grand in cash. And sure enough, he just Dusty just turns the sack over, dumps out just wads of of cash. And they, uh, you know, you you can't count it on the spot, but it sure looks like a lot. And <laughs> it seems good enough for Dylan. He's like, well, all right, that's uh, you know, th- that is a very strong visual. So I guess we'll take him at his word. And the best part of this, the stroke of genius uh, on the part of the horsemen, they bamboozle Jim Crockett. And they say, you know, uh, the only way this match is going to happen is um, is if, if we get uh, certain concessions. And, and we have 
particular demands, you know, men in our position, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Crockett says, yes, I've uh, I've reviewed your demands, and it's it's very unusual to to ask for uh, an appearance fee in addition to your to your regular rate for uh, for wrestling. And uh, I understand I... your your appearance fee. You're asking for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> coincidentally enough, they said. And this is like this is like a scene from Dallas. Okay, the way this is playing out, the way it's shot, and the way it's—I mean, it's old, right? This is from 1987. It just looks old and crappy. And they're in this shitty conference room, and then there's this overhead shot as uh, Jim Crockett opens his briefcase and uh, and gets his checkbook, and he goes, uh, "I uh, I take it uh, my check will be sufficient." And says, oh, yes, of course. It's just this is the way it's got to be. So he strokes in the check, goes, all right, well, there you go. These are your demands. And they said, now, uh, all right, we see uh, Dusty has brought uh, his portion of, of the uh, 100, 100 grand. I assume that's $50,000 there. Uh, this is going to represent our share of the hundred grand he just endorses the check right oh shit (laughs) holy shit what a fucking con artist (laughs) because uh that that uh settles that so essentially they are giving up nothing no part of uh no part of this uh this 50 grand will they be out of regardless of what happens in the match right Mm -hmm. they they can only come out ahead now at this point because that's just how the horsemen roll and um Crockett just looks disgusted. Nina says, well, <laughs> all right, if, if that's if that's how it's going to be, you say that's how it has to be, then uh, you really forfeited um, your ability to uh, make any other demands here. So I'm going to set the time and the place, and the match is scheduled for May 23rd, 87, which, or excuse me, this is taking place on May 23rd, 87. The match is signed for... Uh, June 6th, 87, on Pro, NWA Pro. So it's going to be a TV match, televised. And that match between uh, Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard is not what I picked, but it's pretty good. And I think you should watch it uh, before you should before you watch what I did pick. Um, because I'll just tell you, the conclusion of this sees Dusty actually uh, apparently pinning Tully with Tully's own move, the slingshot suplex, and you know gets the three count. Okay, Tully wins it. Oh no, no, Tully, uh, Dusty wins it. Tully got his foot on the ropes after the three count, but it's enough for Tommy Young, good old Tommy Young here. I guess he's making up for his, um, you know, his very biased officiating in in the uh, Garvin match because. He's now questioning, oh, crap, did he have his foot on the rope before the three-counter? I don't know. The match has got to continue. But amidst all this chaos, okay, um, James J. Dillon makes off with Dusty's 50 grand in cash that, you know, he just has in a sack. Magnum T.A., who was seconding Dusty in this match, um, was supposed to keep guard of that, but... He was um, distracted by Dark Journey, who was also out there on behalf of the Horsemen. So while he's dealing, while Magnum is dealing with her, um, James J. Dillon makes off with the cash. Dusty sees this. He hightails it after Dillon. 
chases him clear out of the arena. Well, guess what? The match is still going on because Tommy Young never made a decision, never called for the bell, said it had to continue. He's now counting out Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty gets counted out. Tully technically gets the win in this massive injustice, right? And I tell you, Dusty gets on the house mic. He is cussing up a storm after this match. Very, uh, very undusty-like, but he is hot. And uh, so after this very controversial outing, we get to what I did actually pick, guys, after all that preamble, which I think is well worth checking it out because it, it tells a great story. Mm-hmm. July 18th, 1987, the Charlotte Memorial Stadium, Charlotte, North Carolina. Guess what, guys? It's the Great American Bash Tour once again. Yeah. So we're bookending this episode. Undoubtedly. With, uh, Nelson concert. Yeah. Well, sure. Um, I, I wonder if, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Neville was was involved in any of these uh, these bash you know, oh. touring shows as well. And you, I hope. You don't know if he's actually sung the national anthem or not because you only understand like one one every three words. The rest are spoken so softly. So softly, so very softly. Um, this match is not fought softly, however, because, you, uh, you know, bookending our episode here with uh, with matches from Great American Bash a year apart. This is a lights out uh, barbed wire ladder match. Yeah, it is. So there's a lot going on here. This is a dusty match as there ever has been on, right? All the gimmicks, we're just going to throw them all into one match. Um, now, notably, my understanding is the World Television Championship is not on the line in this match. Um, however, it is a ladder match, so you think, what must you retrieve in order to win? Well, that would be the $100,000. Yeah. Right? So we're having a rematch. The money is on the line once again. we got to clear all this controversy up, and we're going to do it in style here in this very violent match. Um, so this is really up in the ante here after our after our last more straightforward wrestling match that uh, led up to it. Our commentary is by Tony Schiavone. Um, I'm guessing it was dubbed in post. Kind of sounds that way. Just him solo. Um, and this time around, you've got Barry Windham in Dusty Rhodes' corner. Tully backed once again by Dylan and Dark Journey. So... You know, it's a little bit sad. Uh, the first time around, you had Magnum TA, um, but this was post-accident for Magnum. Uh, and one of the first times people would have been seeing him um, back on the air. So that was probably a little bit emotional. But uh, Barry Windham, an active wrestler, um, maybe going to hopefully do a better job looking out for Dusty Rhodes' interests here. Um and by the way, War Games itself not taking place on this particular card. So this is going to be our marquee match. Uh, this barbed wire lights out ladder match here. Um, you know, at this point, uh, Bret Hart and Dynamite Kid have been working ladder matches in Stampede. But, I mean, you guys, this is 1987. Seven yeah. years yeah. before, yeah. Before Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon are going to, you know, really put that stipulation on the map, you know, nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to say these, these 
a ladder match had never taken place before, but this is this is years and years before they're like a thing. So I don't know, kind of a big deal from from that historical angle. Um, I would say as a match, you know, this is more of a spectacle, more of a novelty um, than it is a lot going on. I'll be honest. Uh, it's you know. Mainly punches and kicks and a lot of barbed wire teases. Mm-hmm. I I will say I really do like the visual of how the the barbed wire is set up. Um, yeah, it looks super dangerous and super badass. It's very ECW. Uh, very ECW. Yeah, very ECW for you, Jenny. And uh, I mean, you get to see Dusty fighting pretty dirty for a change, right? Against a heel. Who really has it coming? Once again, whatever kind of shit kicking Tully Blanchard is going to take, he deserves it. You're you're not going to feel bad for this dude. You can really lay it in, and, and they do. Uh, it's a quick match, but about four minutes in, both guys do get color. Um, uh, you know, I don't know hard way on that barbed wire. We're doing blade jobs or what here? Um, kind of hard to say. This is not the most pristine footage in the world, mind you. Um, Another match that used to be on the network, uh, but kind of hard to track down today. So, again, if you want to see it, see it, let me know. Uh, our first real wrestling move comes in uh, with Dusty hitting a DDT. Yep. Um, kind of towards the end of the match. A really but, interesting um, DDT, too. An interesting version of it, too, yeah. where it kind of lays out flat. Yeah. It's, yeah, kind of lays flat on his stomach while driving him down. Uh, from the, the dusty DDT, if you will. Yeah. Uh, now here's where Greg, your black glove is going to come into play. Uh, Tully retrieves this black glove, um, which I can only assume it has to be a coal miner's glove, right? I mean, God help me if it's not a coal miner's glove. It better be. I mean, God it's damn a it. black glove. It's it's used to gain an offensive advantage. It must be the coal it, miner's glove. The coal miner's glove. Yes, because as we all know, coal miners regularly punched each other with these gloves back in the <laughs> to, to great effect, yes. Um, yes it did. It was over. It was lights out for the opponent. So, was... Well, it's a lights out match. So, And it's not enough to have barbed wire and ladders and blood. you got to have a coal miner's glove, man. That's right. That's, that's the one thing that's more dangerous than the barbed wire is it's a coal yeah. miner's glove. Damn it. Yeah, right. So... All right, it's a ladder match. We're not doing a lot of high spots, okay? These guys are not doing swantons off the ladder. Spoiler, <laughs> I, you know, I hate to break well, it to you. Dusty but did. That would have been great. He does like a fucking 450 <laughs> off the, off the ladder. <laughs> Tully does a Phoenix Splash. That's one of those uh, things on the wrestling games back in the day where when I was a kid, when I would create the big giant fat wrestler that was seven, oh, yeah. 500 yeah. pounds and have him do like shooting star presses and stuff. I would do the opposite where I'd have like Rey Mysterio gorilla press slam the big <laughs> show out of the ring, like a Royal Rumble. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, we, I mean, we do have some climbing spots at the end of the day, you still have to climb the damn ladder. Um, but it's more like the ladder is being offensively used as a weapon. It's, it's not a lot of risky, like we're going <laughs> to, take a lot of falls from the top of a ladder here. Now, We're gonna... having not seen a lot of the Stampede ladder matches, was this the first appearance of the slow climb? 
<laughs> you know, it can't uh, be given. Well, given the fact that Brett and Dynamite are working those Stampede matches, it, how slow are they going to be going? Right, mm-hmm. like this may be slow by necessity because I mean, look, it's Dusty Rhodes climbing the ladder. <laughs> True, but um, he, I noticed Tully when he makes his last. Bless his heart, but it is Dusty Rhodes, right? It's also, you know, also, it's just... I think they were making it harder on themselves because am I not? Am, I hope I'm not mistaken. I think this was a like a regular ladder you get from Home Depot. So one, yes, it, yeah, it <laughs> looked like a rickety. It looks like the ladder I've got, you know, in my garage right now. <laughs> they I, kept climbing the opposite yeah. side. They kept climbing the non-climbing side. Yeah. <laughs> well. Is there a non-climbing side well, to the ladder? Well, yeah, the, there's the side that has like there is to a real to like yeah to this <laughs> utility type ladder that this yellow Home Depot ladder that they're using. Yeah. Where, there is definitely one side you are not meant to climb. <laughs> I mean, you can try, but and, hey, it, it, it's not like the double-sided WWE <laughs> ladder match. No, right? no, the, the whole time Dusty's climbing, I'm I'm praying that that. The, the, the rungs are not going to break under him. I mean, they do have <laughs> right. a weight limit, and it is slower than you would think. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, wasn't there... A, I know this is off topic, but wasn't there a WCW late-era ladder match where Scott Hall, like... or Either he was wrestling somebody, and they did it, or he did it, where, like, the ladder, like, the rungs of the ladder broke. The rungs broke. Yeah, it oh, was shit. Gimmick, but Yeah, it was yeah. actually... I think it was... You know what? It was... um a rematch between Benoit and Jarrett from oh. didn't they have didn't they have that match at Starcade? That's right, um, Starcade. Yep, yeah. Which Benoit won, um, but then they had a rematch, and this was after the uh, NWO <laughs> Black and Silver formed, um, yeah. which took all of about a week. Uh, yeah, so the, they gimmicked the ladder, so when Benoit tried to climb, it, the rungs just shattered. They just completely, <laughs> it was like it was made of glass or something. It was, yeah. <laughs> so that's a, that's how he lost the, the title back to Jerry. Oh, anyway. God. Um, yeah, th- but this is, this is a, 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 I mean, even, even the fact that it was a, a more, you know, early stages ladder match, in some ways it was just as or more dangerous because they didn't know what they were doing. Like they, they didn't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. They're like, what in the hell? And there's fucking barbed wire. It's like, there's just a lot going on here. <laughs> um, so we do get a pretty cool finish where, uh, you know, it looks like Tully's got uh, Dusty on the ropes. He's he's climbed the ladder. He's made a good way up there. And Dusty hits that patented Dusty Rose drop kick to the ladder <laughs> to, uh, to knock Tully down. Again, it's not the most, you know, yeah, yep. fall, but it's something. It's a big bump. And then. Yeah, it's a big bump. For good measure, he's going to wipe Tully out with that uh, coal miner's glove. <laughs> um, and Wait. I love how, kind of in the background, there's so much going on. Um, you just casually see Wyndham, like, choking out James James. <laughs> like, choking him. From the that was great. Fucking canvas. Uh, so Dusty is then able to make the climb. Retrieve the sack. He's got his money back. Nice. And uh, is 50 grand. Richer, because remember he put up a portion of he put up half of it too. So yeah, his net gain fifty thousand dollars. Um, cool stuff. Uh, again, it, it's one of those. I mean, you kind of have to see it because it's a it's a nineteen eighty seven ladder match. So yeah, it, why would why would you not want to check that out? Yeah. Um, 
but don't go in thinking you're going to see like come on they're not using the ladder uh, and they're not you know it, it, it's it's about climbing the ladder and getting the money and yeah and it's it's a mm-hmm. quickie get in get out kind of match the barbed wire is the weapon yeah so the yeah. barbed wire is sort of the yeah that's... and it's like a nine minute match or something and but it's like it, that's why I, I if they had gone 15 or 20 it probably would have gotten boring but like it never did to me. It was interesting the whole time because mm-hmm. even as even as you know immobile as Dusty was at that point in his career, it was Dusty. He still has this charisma about him. Yeah. You still you know you you, you want to see the elbow and you want to see him rub Tully's face in the barbed wire and Tully's going, oh God, no, no, no. And, you know, it's, it's really you know it, that it's just old fashioned Southern brawling. You know, it was uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, seeing seeing Tully in a different element, street clothes, both of them a come as you are match, I believe. Right. Back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah, they're in jeans, they're in like flannel. Yeah. Uh, they do have some knee pads on. You got to have some padding. You know, you got to tape those fists up, man. Tully's got a uh, Tully's got a bandana wrapped around his neck for some reason, and it's uh it, it's it's good shit, and and it's it's in uh representative of the time and you know again great brawling that they know how to throw punches they know how to you know they've worked with each other hundreds of times at this point so they they know what they're going to do and and you know they don't know their way around the ladder very much because it's new but they don't need to it's about climbing it and getting the brief or getting the briefcase well, look at me i'm fast forwarding 30 years uh getting the <laughs> money and uh and uh, you know at that point like i feel like that should be tax-free I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't it be? You know, look, you, it, it, the man just went through a barb, a barbed wire, coal miner's glove, ladder, lights out match. They ought to not take any taxes out of that. Come on, he paid. There's got to be some way forward. It almost counts as a gift because each each party is giving it up, right? Um, not in the form of income, but uh, but uh, and, and you can't put a like a. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what kind of tax you would put on this. Right. Yeah. And, and, well, and um, by the way, I thought it was hilarious when JJ tries to get in there, and then mm-hmm. when flies in there and just starts choking the life out. Of him. <laughs> that was. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I tried to cover that, but that did not work. No problem. Um. So recently, I watched a, a ladder match with Dusty Rhodes in it from TNA, uh, from 2003. Oh my. Oh wow. And, and, and Dusty Rhodes, when he climbed his ladder, what he did was he pulled out a tiny little step ladder. And <laughs> um, look, I just watched this yesterday. So then when I'm watching this Dusty Rhodes ladder match, I'm like, this is much more what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though that was pretty funny, what he did with the little tiny step ladder. But this is barbed wire and fucking Tully. Climbing real slow. It was kind of hilarious, um, but he, but it's it's a fucking fight though. They are like yeah. when they're in the ring, they're fighting, um, and and I like Barry coming in um, to help Dusty out. Um, I, I I really like just the idea of a bag of money just hanging from the <laughs> yes. ring or from above the ring. Like that's great. I was watching the last. Um, Money in the Bank uh, <laughs> show with my mom, and she's like, "Well, how much money's in the briefcase?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "There ain't no money in the briefcase." Well, she's like, "Well, fuck, 
<laughs> what are yeah, we doing? It's a, it's a, you see, it's a contract. It's a contract. It's gives a the ability to possibly make up money by winning the championship if you win it. And she's like, why not put money in it? And I said, that's a fucking great idea. We should definitely do more money-based matches. I'm definitely into that idea. So you're combining the ladder match, the barbed wire, and the fucking purse, and Dusty Rhodes, and Tully Blanchard. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's such a tangible, I mean, cold, hard cash, right? Who doesn't love that? It's such a tangible and, and universally appealing kind of thing that everybody can get on board i I know i get that the money in the bank has its place and yeah you've got the briefcase but at the end of the day it's like what are you trying to get across the symbolic promise of a future title change that somebody is which really winning it's just a weird idea i mean it it works but it's sort of like what's the What's the cool visual aspect? Right. It? It's, it used to be like, like a guaranteed thing of this person's going to be the next champion at some point. Yeah. And now it's not really that anymore either. It's so, not even that, right? So I don't know. But yeah, the, the 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 money thing, they could do do you remember all those years ago on Raw when they gave away McMahon's millions to like mm-hmm. a call? Uh-huh. Just take that money and put it in a briefcase or a sack actually. I like the sack. Hang too. it above hang it above the ring. Have the ladder match, and then while the guys are in the and have like, exp, everybody says you need to have a smaller money in the bank match. I say expand it, twelve mm-hmm. guys, and then with, once they're Shit. all in the ring going for the ladder, then you have a crew come out and put barbed wire around the ropes. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. you're guaranteed you're gonna have a bunch of guys falling. Ricochet is gonna do his thing, and he's gonna <laughs> fall on the barbed wire. <laughs> She's gonna be awesome. Yeah. I'm sold. And you gotta, and then the, I'm gonna, and I got it even better. If you really want to tap into the TNA market, you have the bag of money fall off of the thing that's <laughs> through the match, and then you have a scramble for shit. <laughs> then it turns into a scramble match. Yeah. Gosh, I should be I like the it. of some company. You should. God. Yeah, that's amazing. This is a great match. Like, it's just, it's just awesome. Like, Dusty's charisma can't be can't be uh, can't be explained because he's not obviously he's not doing a lot in this match, but it's it's the fact that he's got this presence, this aura about him that you know you can't really take your eyes off of him even if he's not doing anything. It's it's incredible. The, the well, and, and you know this is yeah this is, and this is summer of '88. Neither one of these guys is going to be around the NWA much longer. Um, this is when, the end of Dusty's run, really. Yeah, going their separate ways, um, and like I said, this is kind of end of end of the road for Tully Blanchard. I mean, for both of them as active wrestlers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tully's going to get a few more, a, a little bit of more, a little bit more time in with uh, Arn and the Brainbusters, but he's effectively and, done yeah. after that uh, that WWF stint, that cup of coffee, really that they have. Uh, but I, I kind of like this as a, a neat little capper to that long-running feud between Dusty and uh, and Tully that saw so many, so many matches over the years, so many steps, and uh, they they go out with a bang, I would say. Yeah, I would I would say so too. And you know, Dusty gets the polka dot run in the WWF, but this is the end of like Dusty as the guy, like. 
Mm-hmm. Dusty yeah. is the featured attraction, if you will. Really, you could argue he was already out because Luger is the main event that year. But like, you know, this was his last stretch of Dusty being the featured attraction for major live events, and then it becomes he's just the guy in the WWF. Mm. Um, yep. Yeah, it is a nice a nice swan song for these for these guys here. Uh, uh, you know, and Tully would go after this Tully would pretty much be exclusive tag team I believe through the mostly through the end of his uh Crockett run and then going into WWF of course in the tag team so mm-hmm. you know this is one of the last hurrahs of him as a singles act I'm really glad yeah. that all of us kind of stayed away from the tag matches um, yeah. even though like I feel like most people that's what they think of Tully as it's a tag wrestler but I really hope that you know some might be encouraged to seek him out as singles. Agreed, agreed. Because I, I've always, I, I think he's always gotten a little bit short shrifted because he mm. was a great tag team with Arn, and Arn wrestled for so much longer. Like Arn was, Arn was still yep. a, well into the mid nineties, and so most people of our generation grew up watching Arn more. But like Tully, if like that's why I wanted to do that Steamboat match when we did that episode because that was one of the first you know, watching clips online when I first got online and was seeing wrestling matches, downloading through LimeWire or whatever, that was one of the first Tully singles matches that I had seen, uh, at least since I was very, very, very young and I was blown away and I'm like, God, this guy was great. And, um, yeah, he, a great wrestler. And plus, like I said, you know, I'm sure that at some point we will visit Arn and Tully as a tag team for an episode. Um, given my, we've done one. We have done one, a really good one. Um, that title change uh, that they had at uh, Clash of the Champ, the first Clash of the Champions, oh, right with, with, with uh, Luger and, and, and Wyndham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talked about that on our uh, covered that on our Barry Wyndham episode. Wyndham, uh, yeah, too long ago. Says so, yeah, That's the only other time uh, you mentioned the, the Steamboat match that was on uh, our Ricky Steamboat episode. Yep. Um, but those are the only other times that we've we've covered a Tully Blanchard match on the show. So I almost went with yeah. Lee and Arn versus uh, Nikita and Sting. I uh, did too from uh, Bash eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yep. But I, I I did too. I came real close to picking that. If we do a tag team episode in the future. We'll have to we'll have to include that one. But yeah, it's just a a great talent and uh, and I'm glad that. I hope anyway that maybe some people uh, will give uh, will give some Tully matches a watch if they haven't seen them before, or if they had seen them when they were younger and didn't appreciate him, kind of revisit him and see what he has to offer. Awesome, yeah, well said. Well, I have actually named all of my uh, honorable mentions for this one. Did did you nice. guys have any other matches you were you were just on the verge of perhaps picking? Not me. Not this time. No, I, I, the, the, the Nikita one, and then, um, there was a, uh, it's a house show match, but there is footage of it on YouTube. The Midnight Express versus, uh, Tully and Arn, a title change from, uh, Mm. Philadelphia, I believe it was. And, uh, Uh, yeah, that's a big one. And, um, and I, there, there was another Tully singles, another one against Garvin that was on Worldwide that are almost included. Those were kind of the ones that stood yep. up mm-hmm. um, as the ones that I, that I all thought about picking, but ultimately I went with this one cause I was curious to watch it. I'd never seen it before and um, turned out good. 
That it did. So who's whose turn is it in the wheel of the wheel of picks? All right. Well, it's not me because I picked this one. Uh, who was our last episode? That's a great question. Was it was uncensored? It I think it was uncensored. I, I couldn't remember if there was one in between there, but I guess uncensored was March, and so might have been. Yeah, eight, well, I don't know. April. I, I, hell, I don't know. We did Steamboat at some point. Hang on. Steamboat was before Uncensored. I'm going to figure this out. This is great that we remember our own work. So I know. It's it's great. It's great radio, too. I mean, the, this is what the listeners love. This is what people want. If there's one thing I've learned from sports talk radio over the years, is this is what people want. Mm-hmm. My internet just cut out, so I missed that. What did we decide? We were... Uh, uh, nothing. We're just still nothing. figuring out uh, okay. what the hell we're doing. Um, we're... Uh, you know, I, I told Wahoo that I couldn't find out what episode we did. <laughs> I didn't remember. Gonna... <laughs> I, did. yeah. Yeah. I think was Piper our last one? Oh, you may be right. It may have been W. It may have been WCW Roddy Piper. It sure looks that way. I um, think that's correct. Yes, that sounds right. So I think that means that, it's her, or did she pick Piper? No, I picked uncensored. Well, then it's your turn again. Yep. It's my turn again. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, I, I've been curious about this guy uh, in WCW for a minute. Um, not really sure what, what match quality we're going to look at, but I really just feel like I need to know more about Sid Vicious. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> well, it seems like a good choice. So. Yes. It, I don't get, I'm not talking about match quality. <laughs> Oh. Biggie says, "You want to talk about your five star matches? You want to talk yeah. about your, your in ring work rate classics? Bump that! I want to talk about Sid." <laughs> well, that's what we'll do then. We'll see what we can come up with for the some master and the ruler of the world. Oh shit! I didn't know you're a big Sid guy, Greg. I'm a Sid. I've been a Sid guy since I was about eight years old. Now, oh, admittedly, admittedly, I can't name you probably. Five or six Sid matches, <laughs> but it was his. Just you want to talk about a guy who had aura? I wanted yeah. to come yeah. in and just squash dudes. That's all I wanted to see. I wanted to see Sid come out, squash dudes, cut his promos that were sometimes great, sometimes horrible, but always one hundred percent entertaining. Uh, one of the most bizarre individuals in wrestling. Just the just they don't make him like Sid anymore. They just don't. Well, what if we opened it up a bit? I mean, I'm just, you can say no, but what if we included, like, promos? Promos? Like, yeah. I was about to say, yes. might be better served by just making just, promos. You know, I mean, we could throw a squash in there if we want, but, like, if we <laughs> want to talk Sid promos, we can Sid, include that. If we don't, I mean, we, we can't, first of all, it was going to happen anyway, because we can't do a Sid episode and not talk about him jumping on the cube that Goldberg has turned his car in. <laughs> And screaming, Goldberg! And screaming, why? Yeah. Goldberg! Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, Let's God, this is we're, I mean, if ever we were going to get a little creative in our in our format, I, I think you'd have to with a Sid. So, you know, I, right? just, come up, I can come up with a I've already broken all my rules when it comes to this show. So it's as yes. far as far as I'm concerned, it's a free for all. Like, yes. And, and I can come up with a Sid match for sure. He had a couple in WCW that were memorable for various reasons. 
And remember, we don't always have to pick good matches. No, we don't. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> That's not a rule. It never has. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I am, I am, I am stoked. I am so stoked. This is great. All right, good. Um, Tim, what do you got for plugs? Oh wow. Okay, so uh, the show you're listening to. If uh, if you like more wrestling content from me and from Jenny, uh, we do a show called PTB NXT on this very same podcast network with our dear friend Jacob Williams. So uh, that comes out um, about the same frequency as, as this podcast. So um, look for that, if you will, going chronologically through NXT in the network era. We're about at the midpoint in 2015. It's I'm not going to lie kind of a doldrums period for me i i don't know how other people necessarily feel about the content we have coming up but um a little bit apprehensive i'm just gonna say um, well this is the uh, this is the uh in between period between the Sami Zayn era and the uh and the johnny gargano and such era right yes yes it is yes it is so you've got some uh mm-hmm. samoa joe coming up you got some I guess Bobby Roode, um, Finn Balor, right? Some Nakamura in there. Yeah, Finn has been around for a minute, so we're gonna definitely see some more of him. Um, but it's a uh, yeah, it's it's gosh, about a year, year and a half long period. I feel like before, uh, you know, the Gargano Champa stuff really heats up, you know. And speaking from that, like their arrival as like a tag team Absolutely. right on through the, you know, that's going to be a while still down the line. But anyway, still uh, the peak, you know. peak NXT story for me, I think. Uh, easily. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I have to think. Hmm. But yes, that's good stuff. Once you get there. We, we will do our best. Uh, I also do a uh, comics podcast on our sister network, Placement Nation Pop. It's called Traders of the Lost Arcs, where we, we being myself, Sean Kidd, Scott Shiflett, and Andy Atherton, who is just reading some comics for the first time, uh, and for the most part enjoying them, I think. Um, <laughs> it's basically where we just read and review some old comics, not super old necessarily. Our last outing was just from 2016. A little anthology six-issue series called Harley's Little Black Book. The Harley in question being Harley Quinn. So if you like that character and you like DC team-ups, uh, check the episode out. Uh, some pretty cool stories there. And uh, some cool art as well. Different artists e- each issue, which uh, we all really dug. Um, so yeah, that is Traders of the Lost Arks monthly on PlaySpeed Nation Pop. And lastly, I have a television-centric podcast that is uh, called 9021 No-So. So a spinoff from the North-South Connection, 9021 No-So. It's its own, th- its own thing, its own feed. Uh, so just search in your preferred podcatcher app, 9021 No-So, me and JT Rosero, reviewing episode by episode, Beverly Hills, 90210. We're up to like episode 20 in the second season, you guys. Wow. It sounds kind of accomplished, and it is, but these episode counts 
per season start to creep up on us. Mm-hmm. We've got, I think, so we had 22 episodes in the first season. I think it's 28 episodes here in the second season, so we're still closing in on the end. But season three, you got 30 episodes. And then from there out, it's like 32 episodes a season. Have you gotten to the peach that pit a, of, uh, of the gin blossoms yet? Oh, no. Oh, no. That that will not be until, uh, like, season, gosh, six-ish, I would oh, say. Five the- or six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of, um, a, a whole lot of, uh, you know, early 90s music that we're not hearing, of course, because we're watching this on right. <laughs> streaming services. Mm-hmm. But uh, we are taking note of and, and tracking what the actual songs they play in the episodes are. That's that's one of our our segments. So, uh, yeah. I mean, how many times are you going to rock out to losing my religion, I guess? But... <laughs> Good stuff um, from R.E.M., the official soundtrack to seasons one through three of Beverly Hills 90210. I'm rambling. Uh, you can find me on X Twitter. I am Syke68CYKE68 for now. I haven't deleted it yet. I keep threatening to because X, what are we doing? Like, just no. Greg, do you have anything to promote? No, just Put out my, to the world. Yeah, to me, it's still Twitter because I haven't updated my phone or my apps. So my Twitter is uh, at gphillips8652. Same as always. Uh, I have no recorded projects coming in the uh, pipeline that I'm of which I'm aware, but uh, of which you're aware. Okay. Always keeping a, a a lookout and well, you never know with AI and all that. People can, you know manipulate my oh, okay. say like controversial takes on things so you never know you never know some people could accuse me of being a a fan of the young bucks and i wouldn't want to oh want that to be a thing forbid <laughs> but no that's it that's it for me just watching a lot of wrestling and, uh, yeah Okay, I don't know if this is working because my internet is in and out, so I don't hear me or what's happening. Great. So, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jenny Position. Uh, My show's on Wednesdays. I have a new show called Linking Up Luchas going through Lucha Underground, Um, so that's fairly new. There's two episodes of that. Anything I do is linked on that Twitter, so follow me there and you'll find me. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.